0: Hey, it's me, your barista. So, you know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Yeah, well, I might be putting myself out of a job by telling you this, but now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. With three new foaming flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato, who could blame you if you stopped coming in altogether? Yeah, it's that foaming delicious. You're welcome.
1: New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. Now in stores. It's foaming delicious. I'm concerned let's start the show we are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of
0: equal opportunity
1: all right welcome to the aggressive progressive podcast I am your host Christopher Hahn this is episode 132 of the aggressive progressive podcast for those of you keeping score at home thank you for liking subscribing rating reviewing the podcast on any podcast platform and of course sharing it with your friends we continue to grow we are one of the fastest growing progressive podcasts of the last year i really really appreciate that uh keep it up so uh, i am concerned and i'm not talking about virginia or anything else this podcast comes out on tuesday and um I don't know what's going to happen there. I think it's going to be razor thin, which should be concerning to any Democrat. But look, I mean, this is what happens in this country. Republicans spend four years screwing things up. Independents give them about three weeks to fix it, and then they get mad at Democrats and vote them out the next year. It's, it's going to happen. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen in Virginia. I think that Virginia um, is a pretty blue state at this point, but you never know. A lot of independents there. People don't register in a party there. Um, I think that helps uh, a state to swing back and forth. I know Democrats have tried to paint this guy youngkin uh, as a trumpist. He's done everything he can to avoid that probably successfully uh, and we'll find out what happens uh, on Tuesday night and I guess we'll talk about it next week but that while that is concerning, that is not my primary concern tonight i, I you know I was walking my dogs earlier today and I ran to a neighbor of mine who I like friend. Who I know is on the right wing of the spectrum. And he seemed depressed for the last couple of weeks. Every time I see him, and I just today asked him, I said, what's going on? And this is a smart, successful person. This is not somebody who, you know, you know, doesn't read, isn't educated, you know, this is a guy who's a you know, a very successful person. I won't say what he does. I don't want to give away who he is. But he's depressed about the future of this country. And he he knows what I do. He knows what my wife does. He knows that we're activists in the Democratic Party, I guess you'd say. I mean, I'm not really an activist. I just talk about politics at this point. And he just feels that this country is going off the rails, and and why does he feel that way? It's not for anything rational. It's because he's fallen into this vortex of this right wing bubble, which constantly bombards people with this feeling that the world is going to end because the Democrats are in charge in this country. The country's over. I mean, even you know, spouting January sixth conspiracy theories. I I, I am. I, I, I'm, I'm sad and I'm scared because I think that there's a segment of this population that is just lost to it. And I worry that that segment of the population is growing rather than shrinking. And I don't know where we come from This, How do we come back from it? I don't know how we get those people back short from like, you know, a foreign conflict uniting the nation which I don't even think would do that at this point because I think that the right-wing nuts would paint the Democrats as in bed with our enemy in that situation. Now, I want to make something perfectly clear to everyone here. I think America's great. I think it's a great place. And I don't think things have gotten worse in this country. I think things have gotten better. I think we're aware, more aware of things happening right now, which makes us feel that things have gotten worse. But I think, for the most part, this country is better than it was when I was born. For you know, significantly better than it was. Less racist, less sexist. That doesn't mean there isn't racism. That doesn't mean there isn't sexism. It means there's less of it. And I think that my opinion is a widely held opinion within the Democratic Party, within people who are progressives in this country. They believe that we should fight injustice wherever we see it. We should make sure that we're rooting out institutional racism in this country. But we think things are better than they were in you know, the 70s. I was born in the 70s. If you were born in the 60s, I'm sure you know it's better than it was. I think it's better than it was in the 80s and the 90s. I think it gets better every day. Because we're calling attention to problems. But the problems aren't as widespread as they were 40 years ago. That doesn't mean that they're not bad problems. They're there. But I think America on a whole is a great place. And is constantly striving to make itself better. And I think that that is not a minority opinion. I think what's happening right now is the right-wing media is painting progressives in the progressive movement as anti-American while all at the same time supporting a man who tried to overturn our elections. One of the most undemocratic things I've ever seen. And and quite frankly, I think right-wing media has been successful at it. It's why Democrats didn't pick up any seats in the House or the Senate, lost seats in the House, barely picked up seats in the Senate during Biden's very impressive victory. By the way, also lending credibility to the fact that, you know, Trump really did lose. People didn't vote for him, who voted down the ticket for Republicans, but they didn't vote for him. And I would love for these Republicans who are out there, you know, supporting his conspiracy theory on the elections to also question their own election because they were on the same ballot. But, you know, I don't want to go there in the show again. But I think right-wing media has been doing a pretty good job of painting Democrats, and this is not new, um, as anti-American. I think that they've been doing a better job now than they've done in any time in recent years, largely because they're starting to completely exclude left-wing voices from their media. I think, quite frankly, left-wing media has excluded right-wing voices. I think that there needs to be voices from across the political spectrum when we're talking about politics, and I'm doing less and less right wing media these days, I'm doing more and more international media and some other stuff like News Nation, which is kind of trying to be down the middle. But I think, you know, MSNBC should do a better job putting on you know, people who disagree with their driving opinion. And I think Fox needs to get back to where it was when they were having liberals on at least once an hour. But I am concerned that there are people in this country, smart people, not just people who you think are, you know, Johnny Lunch pals, who them themselves can be smart, by the way, but smart people who think for a living who have bought into this because it's so ingrained and pounded home day after day after day after day. And it's just not true. And and this is somebody who knows me. Knows me well. I mean, maybe not well. Knows me. Thinks that I am, you know, part of a party that is trying to actively destroy America. That's just not the case. You know, and they point to the border and, you know, the right-wing loves to make a big deal about the border as if the border problem happened today. It's been a border crisis in this country for 20 years because people don't want to resolve the problem. I uh, I I I don't even know where to go with it. It it is concerning to me. And it should be concerning to you. And I don't know how to get through to people anymore. I just don't. And I am a you know, I'm a pretty good communicator. I mean, you're listening to me right now. So clearly, you don't know me. I mean, some of you know me, but most of you the overwhelming majority of people who listen to this podcast don't really know me. You might feel that you know me because I talk about my dogs and my kids and stuff here, but you don't know me and I'm a decent communicator and I'm having a hard time figuring out what to say to people on the right. And I've spent most of my, you know, media career now talking to people on the right. And usually it's been a fine, fun debate, but the conversation I had today disturbed me, made me very concerned, not just for him. And I am concerned for him because he's been depressed by this. I said, look, man, you need to stop watching the news. You need to stop, you know, take a break, take a month off from politics, man, and just enjoy your family. I mean, it, a drug to some people. They are just addicted to the way it makes them feel. And what the medium is trying to make people feel is angry and afraid. And if you're angry and afraid, they have found you will watch and click more. And that's what's happening in America. And if, you know, good people who know better don't get together and try to stop it, we're doomed as a country. We've got to get together and try to stop it. And change some things here because, you know, this is nonsense. I mean, I'm talking about like, you know, seeing what's going on here. I mean, I, I Tucker Carlson this week is going to do a a conspiracy theory week on January 6, trying to blame it on the FBI. I I I, I knew the guy. Okay, there's a man who's afraid to lose his job, afraid to not have that political platform, afraid to going back to just being a Swanson millionaire. Basically, which is what he is, frozen TV air, dinner air, frozen TV dinner air. I, I, I you know, love me, daddy has gone away from him. He's gotten away from Donald Trump. It's just these people who had bad childhoods, who work really hard to be successful, but have turned that success into something toxic. And it's it's infecting so many Americans, and we should all be afraid of it and, and i hate to start the show on a downer um but that is what happened to me before i recorded today so uh, i wanted to share it with you so i'm glad i did so i've got a good guest today ellis hennigan author columnist you've, you've been on the show before great guy i'm gonna talk to him for a little while and then i'll be back to wrap it up so thanks again for listening i'll be right back so i have a great guest about to, to come in here ellis hennigan has been a friend of the show since its inception in 2013. He is a columnist and author uh, working on multiple books. Got a new book coming out uh, that he's working on, on Kyle Petty, the NASCAR great. Ellis, how you doing? <laughs> I'm feeling very meta today. <laughs> meta. <laughs> so What does that mean? What does that even mean? Doesn't it mean micro data or, I mean, metadata, I think, it's what they collect. I mean, that's how they make their money selling. That all, all, metadata.
0: My, all my secret all my secrets and the brands I buy and where I go to dinner, is that all the meta-
1: Yeah, yeah, where you checked in last, you know? Like those uh-huh. and, and not even if you didn't check in. I mean if they're if they're tracking you because you gave them permission to track you.
0: Um So so Mr. Zuckerberg is gonna know even more of that stuff. Is that how this is gonna
1: go? He knows more about you.
0: Than anybody
1: else, isn't it? You know, I was thinking about this the other day. The guy yeah. who played Zuckerberg in The Social Network also plays Lex Luthor in the Superman yeah. movies. Uh, Jason, uh, not Jason. My producer's looking up the guy's name. Jesse Eisenberg. He was about to give it to me, but I, I, I came up with it. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, good act, great actor. He's also in those yeah. movies uh, with the zombies that I love, um, and. Uh, he played both Zuckerberg, and he does. I think he's the best Lex Luthor. I, you know, no offense uh, to the original Lex Luthor, uh, but he plays Lex Luthor, and I always consider Mark Zuckerberg kind of like a supervillain, <laughs> even though I use his product <laughs> all the time. You know, I just it's kind of it's kind of crazy, but it, it is. It is amazing, you know, and we this wasn't where we wanted to start, but this is how it works with you and me. You know, you're such a good radio (laughs) guest that I could talk about anything with you. Which is, you know, why we've been in television so long. Because you know how it goes; the topic sometimes changes while you're sitting in the chair. (laughs) It's it's got to roll with it. Um, I, I think this this stuff that's come out the last couple of weeks about what they know about the harmfulness of their product it it bears striking similarity to the tobacco industry.
0: Well, yes. This is what I would say. I, I think in terms of their deceptiveness and the profit motive, absolutely. Those are just huge companies, and that's the business companies are in, is to is to make money for their owners and their shareholders. I, I get that. I don't think that the Facebook or other social media problem is very easily solvable. No. I just, I just, I don't really mean, you know, listen, they can do some things. They can use the algorithms to try and keep some of this stuff away. But if your basic business model is user created content, right? You know, people are going to create a lot of stuff. And I mean, you can try to watch it all, but. But I just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not easy. It really—I don't mean to be sympathetic to Mark Zuckerberg because he's not that sympathetic a character. But boy, I wouldn't want the job of beating the
1: police. No, I, I find it amazing that they're running ads, begging Congress to regulate them. I mean yeah. that—I've never seen that before. Have you? No, I haven't. I have one dumb question. You may know the answer. So I don't mean to hijack your topic. No. I want to move no, up. you're my guest. Be my guest. But, <laughs>
0: but but, so so one thing that I never see on Facebook is porn. No. Right? It never – I don't think it ever – I mean, I never – it's not like I'm looking for it, but I'm – Not I mean,
1: hardcore porn anyway.
0: No, not, not – somehow or another, they figured out how to keep porn off, right? I guess, Yeah. Uh, And so what is it that allows them to succeed at that, but doesn't allow them to succeed at vaccine misinformation? I I don't, I just, I'm not smart enough technically to know that, Yeah, but it does make, it makes me wonder.
1: I guess they have a higher tolerance for video and moving pictures or, you know, they have more scrutiny of moving pictures than they do of still images. Right. And I've never seen porn either on Facebook um, at all, ever. I mean, not that you're looking for it. I get that. No, not that I'm looking for it. But, you know, accidental porn is always a treat when you're our age, right? Uh, (laughs) uh, So, but it is, it's not, it's not out there. I haven't seen it. So if they're able to keep that off, they should be able to keep misinformation off. The problem is, is that, you know, it's funny because the great Supreme Court case on pornography, the justice of the Supreme Court said, and it's a line that's used all the time. I know it when I see it.
0: Right? right, but it's hard to define.
1: Very it's hard. hard to define, but I know it when I see it. Misinformation is probably harder to see than porn, right? I mean, you know it when you see it. You know that that's pornographic when you see it. I can't describe it to you.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, I mean, honestly, the details of it are super complicated. So say so, so you and I would probably agree that we do not want things on Facebook glorifying gun violence. Right. You know, so we say, okay, no illegal guns on Facebook. So, so, but then, how do you tell? Was this gun bought in Georgia? Was right. this gun, gun bought in New York. I, I mean, listen, I don't, I don't want to make Facebook out to be some victim. I mean, I think they're a, probably a, a, you know, all, they all, do all kind of bad stuff. Yeah. But I still would not want to have the job of needing to regulate that stuff. It's it is
1: pretty tough. Well, that's the thing, you know, and you and I have made our living uh, on free speech. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. You know, how do you regulate that? You know, do you regulate them like they're a broadcaster and have some sort of consequences? For for information that's put out there that's not true, how do you do that when they're not creating that content? And I get right. that or dilemma. Are they more like Are they more like the phone
0: company where you know you don't blame the phone company if you and I engage in a conspiracy on the phone? Right. You can't sue. You can't sue Verizon for that, can you?
1: No, you can't. But here I am. You know, I'm on the radio. I'm over the airwaves here, right? I'm one of the few guys who still do airwaves. And although a lot of people are probably listening to this on my podcast right now. But uh, I'm on the air in, you know, 15 Mm -hmm. states and I'm regulated by the FCC. And if I say something that I'm not allowed to say on the radio, I'm going to get fined. And there's a whole system. There's a whole system by that. But if I was just broadcasting this on Facebook, I could be reaching more people. And sometimes when I do a Facebook live, you know, I'll get as many people watching me on Facebook live or Twitter live as I get listening to me on the radio. And, you know. There's no regulation there. Say whatever I want. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. anyway, we, this, we're going to be arguing about this forever. Uh, again, I don't mean to, I don't mean to hijack your
1: topic. No, I mean, look, I mean, we're, we're doing a full segment on it now. I only got two minutes left in this segment. So we'll talk about the build back better act in a few minutes, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it, it is, it is. I am interested in your opinion on it. I mean, I think, you know, and, and the fact that they're changing the name of their parent company, you know, I, I find that a little comical. Um, but, uh, you know, does that work? I mean, Philip Morris changed their name to what Altia or something like that.
0: I, that's right. And Alphabet
1: too. Right? And Alphabet is Google. Um, right. and, and there are other companies that have tried this over the years. And I guess you forget, right? If I hear Altia, I guess, you know, 10 years ago when they made the change, I remembered that, but now it's 10 years later and these corporations, you know, they don't have lives like we do. Um, they could wait, they could play the long game. Uh, I don't remember, uh, Philip, I don't associate readily Philip Morris with their new company name. And I would imagine 10 years from now, if Facebook has other products that they're putting out there, which I think they're planning on doing, you might not associate what's going on with Instagram and, you know, teenage girls, uh, having a higher propensity for suicidal thoughts because they're watching stories on Instagram. Uh, you know, ten years from now, if you're looking at Meta, yeah, I
0: think I think that's right. In, in these businesses, they conglomerate, right? They add new things yeah. on, and they stop being fundamentally what they were at the beginning. And listen, I, you know, it, the, the the rise of corporate power in our world has a lot of impacts, and some of it's good, and some of it's bad. We just need, To me, the thing we need to do is we need to talk about it. We need to weigh it. We need to figure out what we're going to do about it. And we need to recognize the huge impact it has on all of our lives. It, it really all right. Does. It, it, you, know.
1: you know, we're talking about Facebook and social media and all of the trouble regulating them. Congress can't even regulate things they want to do. They can't even get things done that they want to do. And This Build Back Better Act, I, I woke up this morning to the president making an announcement. I thought by tonight we'd have a vote. Uh, and we didn't. And it concerns me, uh, although I do think that it'll get done. I, I am just bewildered and befuddled at why Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin just can't say what if they're for it or not. Why would the president make this announcement if they weren't for it?
0: Well, because Dems can be dumb. Uh, I mean, this has been handled terribly, Chris. I mean, it's a build back a little bit better bill, I guess. Um, listen. Here's the reality, and you know this as well as, as anybody. Democrats have a very slim majority in both of these houses. Yeah, they can't afford to lose anybody, so it gives huge amount of ridiculous amounts of power to any one or two individuals. But when you, that's the reality. And when you're in that situation, the, the real progressives need to recognize that hey, they're not going to get everything, and the and the people who are the obstructionists need to come up with some kind of reasonable plan that says, hey, you know, we do like a lot of this stuff. Some of these things are very important, very necessary for our country. How does it serve sentiment mansion to, to block all progress? I don't think it does. It surely doesn't serve the people of Arizona and West Virginia. And so, I mean, Dems really do just need to be a little more practical about this. And they've, uh,
1: you know, I'm sympathetic, but they've been dumb about it. They've been completely dumb about it. I don't get it. I mean, first of all, they're going to lose the majority. They're losing the majority in the House no matter what, it appears to me. I, I, don't, I don't see any scenario right now other than Republicans not voting because the former guy tells them not to vote, which is a distinct possibility, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't see any possibility of them holding on to the House. I mean, they're going to lose it through gerrymandering. They may have lost it just through the Texas gerrymander, quite frankly. Um, so I, I don't see them holding on to power. They've got to know this. They've got to get something done, otherwise why are they even there?
0: You're right. You're one of the first skills of an effective politician is you've got to be able to read reality. Yeah. And you know, maybe maybe it's too bad you don't have a 50 vote margin. You know, you could get a lot more done if you had if you had 10 seats in the Senate against the other side. But that's not the reality. You didn't do you did well enough to barely get your nose over the line in the last election and God bless you for doing so but you do not have the reality of the power to change the world. No. You've got to change half the world
1: or a quarter of the world. Otherwise, you get zero. To me, that's just... That's arithmetic. That's not even politics. I'm really frustrated by cinema, though. I'll be honest. I know her. I've, I've said this before on the show. I've met her... Uh, I met her when she was a state senator in Arizona. I was a part of a think tank uh, of progressives, and she was like the furthest left in the think tank. And I don't understand... I don't understand... Where she gets off these days, I think it's just chaos, and I I don't think look, she's not going to get renominated as a Democrat in Arizona, and she could try to run as an independent or something else there, but she's not going to win. Arizona is a blue state at this point, point. and I don't get what she's going for here. And
0: right now, you're yes, sir, I am more sympathetic to Manchin.
1: I am. I'm very Manchin. sympathetic to Manchin, and quite frankly, he's been more open about what he wants.
0: Right, you know, it's funny. As you know, I come from Louisiana, and we have a Democratic governor in Louisiana who is mm-hmm. in uh, Governor Edwards, John Bell Edwards, yep. who is in a similar situation. You know, he's he's it's an, almost a fluke that he's elected.
1: He ran a great because, campaign.
0: <laughs> he ran a great campaign against a weak candidate, against a
1: candidate that nobody ever called out for sleeping with prostitutes until John Bell Edwards did. I mean, John right. Bell Edwards. Every answer to every question was at least I didn't sleep with prostitutes. <laughs> let's let's be clear that's how he won and it was a great strategy and i don't know why that hadn't been done the two senate reelections that this christian conservative uh vitter uh ran in i don't know how that wasn't the strategy all the time against him
0: right right but as you know john bell edwards is pro-life he is pro-gun he is he has views that uh, almost no other elected Democrats in America have. And you know what? I'm completely sympathetic to
1: me too. Him. He's democrat he's a Democratic governor in Louisiana. What do you want? Right. Right. What do you want? Same thing with Joe Manchin. What do you want? I mean he's a Democratic governor in a state that gave Donald Trump its biggest margin of victory. Right. Forty uh, something percent or some huge number. But cinema's not. Cinema's a senator from a blue state. And we can call it a purple state all we want. It's not. It's a blue state. And the only way that Republicans are going to maintain any kind of power at all there is through, you know, fixing the election so people can't vote. And I don't think they could fix it enough there, quite frankly. Um, that state has turned. And, um, you know, I mean, Mark Kelly, Joe Biden, Kristen Cinema. Mark Kelly has no problem voting for this bill. What is her deal? Where is she hiding? Why isn't she giving a statement? Why is her statement we're making progress today? She drives me nuts. Yeah. Do you have a
0: theory? I mean, is it, is it psychological? I have a theory.
1: Is it some bank shot politics? I I think that she's not going to be a Senator much longer. And I don't think she cares. I think this is like her having fun and then she's going to try to trade this in for some sort of media career or something. She's, Oh, she, I don't, I don't really feel like she takes this seriously. She shows up on the floor of the Senate wearing a denim blouse. I I mean, give me a break. Mm. Like, what is Mm. this?
0: Yeah, I have to, I'm I'm perplexed. I have to tell you, I don't have, I don't know her, you know, so I bow to you on that part of it. But it just doesn't, I feel like I understand Joe Manchin. I, I mean, look, I, I, understand her.
1: I can't really say I know her. I spent some time with her, a lot of time with her. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought she was wacky then. And <laughs> now. In a different but, way. Yeah, now she's a U.S. freaking senator. And there's a way, look, I worked in the Senate. There's a way a senator is supposed to behave. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't need you to tell me how you vote. I don't need to tell you how to vote. You got real concerns about a bill. Tell me what they are. Put them out in public. Negotiate. Be part of the process. But don't just be some loose cannon. This is not a tribute to John McCain. This is John McCain never would have behaved like this. John McCain, if he disagreed with you on a bill, would tell you Why? <laughs> and and you would respect his opinion because he told you what it was. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what she's doing here other than destroying yeah. the Biden presidency and probably giving the country back to a Republican Party that doesn't even believe in democracy anymore.
0: Yes. Now, please, can we fix some roads and bridges? and Can we, right. can we get some, uh, some child health care? Can we... Uh you know, maybe, maybe, is it too much to ask that maybe we have some kind of parental leave like every other right.
1: country? How about so, some uh, dentistry I, for senior citizens? I mean, what's wrong with you're that?
0: Against, right, you're against dentistry for senior citizens. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Let's just, Ch- know, I'm not holding that. I'm yeah. not holding out for the Bernie Sanders plan, but can we please have a little bit of that? A little
1: bit. You would think somebody who spent part of her childhood living in a van would want the child tax credit to end child poverty. So, Alice, you know, we're talking about this mess with the, uh, I guess we call it the human infrastructure bill that the Democrats are trying to get done. Uh, it seems like there's agreement on the uh, physical infrastructure, the roads, the bridges, the airports, probably smaller than it needs to be. But uh, but a, a nice chunk of change, $1.2 trillion, which is, is nothing to sneeze at. Um, but there's turmoil. Uh, and there it doesn't appear to be a lot of incentive for democrats to move from their positions to get things done i i feel like the rules have changed somewhat see i don't understand i think there is very
0: strong incentive for democrats well,
1: well maybe i said it wrong they don't seem to be reacting to the incentive
0: you 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 you're right people get stuck into their positions and,
1: but again it's just it is
0: a misreading of the power reality you know, you got to know how big a club you're swinging before you know what kind of a, what kind of impact you're going to right. have. And that's just, that's just, if you don't know that and you aren't clear-eyed about it, you're going to lose.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think they don't realize it. I think they just, they think that they're going to be in the majority forever. I I, I don't, I mean, look, I, I'm as perplexed that Joe Manchin is holding up or not holding up, but not willing to get rid of the filibuster to pass some sort of voting rights uh, legislation because voting is being threatened around this country. Multiple states are putting in these rules where forget about like the voter ID rules or the rules where they're taking away voting machines so people have to wait in line. You could almost organize around that. The rules I don't like is where they're saying, well, if we don't like the results of this election, we're going to let the legislature change the results. Those rules you can't organize around.
0: Right, And, and if that is effective, uh, it changes everything. I mean, imagine imagine how different the presidential election of 2020 would have turned out had uh, a different party been in control of the legislative process. I
1: think I mean, the streets really, would still be burning if that had happened. It really would have,
0: And the result, the result could easily, Chris, have been different. We could have really had a fundamentally different nation. And if that's the game one party is playing, the other party needs to play it, too. Yeah. I mean, just this is a time for hardball. And part of it ought to be the first principle that we encourage people to vote we make it easy for people to vote and you know what we have honest voting, but we have voting
1: eighty percent of Americans support some sort of rules change to protect the vote in this country eighty percent it's not it's a it's not even a partisan issue so for like you know you know 50 senators from states that represent twenty five percent of Americans basically to block. The right of Americans to vote. I, I'm never, I, I, I never thought I'd live to see this day where one of the great parties in this country, and they're no longer a great party, in my opinion, would just exist to try to make it harder for their political opponents to participate in the process. They don't even want to try to convince these people to vote for them. They just want to make it harder for them to participate in the process.
0: Yeah, no, it's, I have to say, it's a little bit, a little bit depressing. But, but, but also, I mean, again, I'm being hard on Dems tonight, but, but I just kind of, I'm feeling a little frustrated. Dems have done a bad job selling it. Yeah. You know, these are very, you're able to articulate these principles pretty clearly. I feel like I can, but yet on the national political scene, there isn't any great uproar I mean there are no demonstrations in the street None. There are, you know there's some conversation but I don't know I'm not feeling it out there in the same way as I want to
1: I, I I mean it 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 blows my mind to see to see that they are so bad at this even in states like Texas where Republicans won they're making it harder for people to vote they're changing districts so that Latinos have fewer Uh, districts that are majority Latino districts in a state that has, you know, its entire population growth uh, over the last 10 years was an influx of Latino voters. I don't I don't get it. And yet Democrats are not blowing them away with Latino voters either, which what is wrong here? I mean, do I need to go back to work? in the party, or, or I, I don't know what's going on. I, I feel like I would have been able to, I don't speak Spanish, but I would have been like, hey, how about we run a few ads on Spanish-language television, because Trump's killing us on Spanish-language language television.
0: Right, right. At least, though, because that's a fair fight. You know, I mean, I understand the argument that Republicans can make to Latino voters that say, you know, hey, we look out for your interest in this way or that way. Now, I don't necessarily persuaded by those arguments. Right. But that's a fair debate to have, you know, and there are some things about the Latino community. I mean, it is uh, very family oriented. It is religious, very religious. There are there are cultural conservatism in those communities that 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 Republicans can speak to.
1: And And I think that's a that's a that's a really interesting debate. I I I think they're making a I think they're making a strategic mistake in Texas. I think that what they did with this map in Texas makes it more likely that in the next four years or eight years, they will lose statewide offices because Latinos are like, you don't even believe that we're people. I mean, this is part of the problem. I mean, like Democrats have to convince Latino voters in Texas that Republicans do not even believe they are people.
0: No, and when you have, when you run on harsh anti-immigrant rhetoric, for instance, I mean, that's really the best thing that Democrats have is that rhetoric from Republicans. You know, if you are if your campaign is I want to lock up your grandmother,
1: that's not a really
0: good way to run.
1: I don't even think it's about that. I think you you point to the fact that they are trying to disenfranchise you American Latinos. Forget yeah. about immigration. I mean, I think immigration is a whole nother thing, but they don't want American Latinos if you're a Mexican American or a Guatemalan American or a Panamanian American living in Texas, they don't want you to vote. They don't want your vote to count. They don't want you to have a representative that reflects your upbringing. They want they want white people in office and nobody else in that state. And how the Democratic Party is not going to capitalize that on that over the next 10 years, five even five years in that state. I, I mean, the state is is majority Latino now, so it. it I, I don't know. I, I think I've ranted too much during your segment. So no, I'm gonna...
0: I think you got. I think you found a new calling on this <laughs> issue.
1: Chris. I got to go back you to have, work. You
0: Have a responsibility. You have a responsibility here. I I, I
1: I wish I had the energy to be in public life. I I would go back and do it. We're talking about you know the Democrats having these you know issues with power, issues with convincing constituencies that. Really should be voting for them to vote for them. Um, what do you think? You know, outside of the political sphere, do you think the Democrats are spending too much time listening to like the Twitter mob and things like that, and not really living in reality when it comes to some of these, you know, uh, these groups of uh, of non white voters?
0: I think that's part of it, but I think there's also a larger structural problem that both of these parties have that is only now being clear in the Democrats' case, right? These are such big tents, right? In order to have a party that covers something like half of America in this hugely diverse nation, you've got to have a lot of different kinds of people. And when all Dems could agree we hate Donald Trump, that was easy to get unity. Yep. Right. But but when you got to say, okay, what's the infrastructure program going to be? Then there's a huge amount of differences between the moderate Dems and the progressive Dems and the different ethnic Dems. I mean, it's just it's a big country. Republicans dealt with that issue. You saw all the division built around Trump. And honestly, I just think it's kind of structural. I think Democrats got this little sniff of power. They had very little room for error. And now we're seeing the
1: results of that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they, they look. I mean, Kennedy asked me when I was on her show last week. Come on. Admit it, Chris. You want Donald Trump to run for president again. And I said, no, I don't, because he could win. And I don't want him to be president again. I don't think this country can handle him again. Uh, and I also don't know that we'll recover uh, from a second Trump term. Um, I
0: think all th- those are all good ones, But I think nothing is more unifying than shared opposition. Yeah. Right? If we all hate the same person, I don't care whether it's Trump in fact, you know, if it's if it's uh you know, Republicans hating Barack Obama or hating Obamacare, you know yeah. that was easy. That was easy for Republicans. But then when you gotta say, okay, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna make you know Paul Ryan you know, have, find some kind of coalition with some, you know, heavy
1: Trumpster. It's not easy. No, it's impossible. Almost right, and 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 we we've seen this happen. Uh, you know, for both parties, multiple times. Right, you get these weird movements, like the Tea Party movement in twenty twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and, and now that the, the Trump movement, and there was just this opposition to Trump, and and here we are, govern, govern with a with a right. slim majority.
0: Right, and you can do it honestly. If you have a big majority, you can do it. You know, you, you, there's enough room for error. There's enough trade-offs and wiggle room, and you can afford to lose a few of your of your more difficult party members. Uh, but but when one or two votes is enough to to, to blow anything, I, it's just it's just really hard. Honestly, I think it's an era of you know re- have reasonable expectations. Yeah. what is it that you can do? What is it you can all agree on? And that's just the hardball of politics. Son.
1: Well, you know, look, I, I appreciate people on the left starting the conversation on the left. And I feel like they moved. They moved dramatically. I mean, you went from six trillion dollars at the beginning of this thing mm-hmm. to one point right. seven five trillion. Uh, and that's over eight years, not over 10 years. Right. Uh, so you saw some major movement. I don't uh, you know, I, I, I don't I don't know what else they can do. I just, I, it's, it's weird. I I just don't get it. I I just think they're overestimating how much time they have to get something done. Because I, you know, I think the majority in the Senate, you know, these senators are in their eighties. It could flip tomorrow. You know, I mean, you got Dianne Feinstein and Pat Leahy and, you know, and there are some on the right too, but the, 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 the majority could flip tomorrow and, and they, they just think it's going to last. I, I, it, it's, it's driving me a little, little
0: batting. Well, my slogan is get me something. I mean, I don't. I really don't want the bridges to fall down. No, I really do want, I do want the old people to get to go to the dentist. I, you know, and I think most Americans are there. I think we just got to find a way to, to come up with the, uh, with that combination of things. I think Joe Biden gets it instinctively. I agree. Um, but I, you know, we're still a maddening inch away and we've been an inch away for a couple of weeks now and boy, I'm sure feel better when this deal comes
1: together. Me too. Let me ask you before, you know, a few minutes I have left with you. Uh, let me ask you about this. It's been driving me a little crazy to watch all of these, you know, dyed in the wool capitalists on the right. Blaming Joe Biden for gas prices and the supply chain issues. How is that not the market's fault? I mean, they want the president <laughs> to fix the market now. All of a sudden, they're all of a sudden they're communists. They where's your five year plan, Stalin?
0: I think, I think it's a really interesting question. And I, I, I think you're right about it. Let me, let me throw one other log in that fire. And I think this is something to watch in the,
1: in the months and years to
0: come. Corporate America is shifting. I mean, it really was the domain of the Chamber of Commerce and traditional country club Republicans and you know, these kind of pre-Trump Republicans. In this era, corporations, particularly tech companies, are really a, a, a font of a certain amount of progressive ideas. And I think it's, it is a really, really interesting thing to watch. And I don't need, I don't need to embrace Mark Zuckerberg. I don't need to say that these are all great guys, but I do think the ground is shifting on that. And it's something that's happening now. And we're going to look back in five years and say, this is when that began.
1: Well, I think that's because of their employees, right? It's so hard. The job market's competitive, especially for educated engineers and software developers and people of that nature. And they're coming out of college and they're pretty liberal. Yeah, and, and,
0: multicultural.
1: And they want their companies to reflect their views. And if their companies don't reflect their views, they're like, I don't need this job. I'll go live in my mother's basement for another 10 years. I mean, that's... Right, and
0: that's... But, but Chris, also, that is where the power in corporate America is today. It's not in manufacturing anymore, right? Right. It's not in middle American. It's in coastal, educated, multicultural elites. We can use that word, elites. Yep. And... It's changing that dynamic. I don't know where it's going, but I do think that you're seeing, okay, because a lot of, frankly, you know, all this like, like, like childcare stuff, a lot of that stuff is bubbling out
1: of this odd place, corporate America. Yeah. So where do you think that, where do you think that leads us though? Like, like, like I was saying, you know, when the debt, when the debt ceiling was, you know, being threatened, I'm like, where's the chamber of commerce? Why aren't they running ads? Like right. the economy is going to be destroyed. You're supposed to be right. big supporters of the economy. You're going to let these, mon- these people monkey around with a debt ceiling. I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I think, I think Trump advanced that a lot. I, th- I think there were a lot of people in you know, mainstream big time corporate America who were just scared of him. Yeah. You know now, now does if a, if a more traditional kind of Republican party emerges in the next few years, will that shift back? Maybe, but that's not where the energy in the Republican Party is today. No, it's on the crazy side.
1: The energy is on you know,
0: crazy. Mitch McConnell is, not the, Mitch McConnell is not the future of the Republican Party. No. He may be the smart guy there now, but he's
1: not the future. I mean, you look at Ron DeSantis. He's trying to model his speaking style after Donald Trump now. He's even using the same hand gestures. I mean, it because it, I don't believe Donald Trump's running for president. I think Donald Trump's trying to collect as much money as he can. He's trying to run the grift as far as he can. And then right before it's time to make a decision, he's going to go yank. And then all of these people are going to try to take his place. Uh, and I don't think Trumpism works without Trump, frankly. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Well, listen,
0: it'll give us something to chew over. That's for sure.
1: Well, it'll be a very interesting uh, year for sure. All right. I only have a minute left with you. I'd like to give you plenty of time to plug because you've got always got projects going on. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you got? What do you want people to know?
0: Yeah, no, listen, I I appreciate that, but we all need to make a living, don't we? I mean, honestly, the news this week was this race car book you mentioned, Kyle Petty, who is uh, anybody who's interested in that world of, of NASCAR and those characters and all those people know the Petty family, Richard the King of NASCAR, and Kyle, who's the one that I have this new book coming out with called Swerve or Die, and... He's just got an amazing story. His own son, who was a young, very promising race car driver, was killed on the track at 19. And we're talking about all that stuff right now. And it really is, for all my New York and D.C. and L.A. friends... Welcome to America. I mean, you got to spend some time understanding this stuff. Well, that's I really I try to get out there and talk to a lot of people, and this is uh, this is ground. I, for you
1: I can't wait that. to read it, as I can't wait to as I like to read all your books because you're great at it. And uh, Ellis Hennigan, thank you so much for joining me. Check him out on Twitter. He's at Hennigan, and he's Hennigan dot com. Ellis, we'll get you back here real soon. Thanks again. Good being with you. Bye bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed. That interview with Ellis. Ellis just gets me talking, and and I do most of the talking in the interview, which is why it was a little bit longer. I I kept him for four segments on the radio show. Uh, Great guy. Uh, You know, another guy, I think, who kind of gets that... uh, We're kind of in a weird spot. Uh, The party's got to figure some things out. Got to stop listening to the Twitter mob. And, and, you know, I mean... uh, I'm part of the Twitter mob sometimes, right? But I I try to be rational in my thoughts there. It's hard. Rational doesn't get you far. That's for sure. Um, But we've got to figure something out. Um, We've got to figure something out. Because there's a huge segment of this country that's going to be lost to the Democratic Party. And then this vast middle, which is getting smaller and smaller, uh, it's not lost to the Republican Party. I don't know. Something's got to give and, and and we've got to figure it out soon because like I said earlier in the show, concern. I'm concerned that too many people are falling into this vortex and I don't know how to get them out. I really don't. They just have a blanket disgust for anybody with a D next to their name. And they have complete trust for people with ours next to their name. Even if those people are lying, cheating, and stealing. I mean, how could you trust a guy like Donald Trump knowing what we know about Donald Trump? I just don't. I don't understand. I mean, there's multiple things. Some of them he admitted to. I I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. But it is what it is. And we're going to have to figure it out together. And we've got to get good people to come together and try to convince people uh, i don't know if it's possible while the former guy walks the earth frankly so maybe it's going to have to take a couple years uh you know fortunately he's 76 so how many you know 15 years tops i don't know um i don't wish death on him don't write me i know a lot of you do i don't i don't wish death on anybody um he's got a family uh we might not like his family but you know i i'm not going to hold baron accountable for the sins of his father I mean, the guy's the kid's like 16 years old at this point, right? 15, 16 years old. I mean, I I would have been devastated if I lost my father at that age. I haven't lost my father yet, so I'm fortunate in that regard. Um, so it's I don't wish that on anybody, but I do want to see this country move forward together. And I don't know what it's going to take, and I don't want to have uh, a war started uh, abroad to bring America together again. And like I said, I I don't think the right-wing media will allow that to happen anyway. I think they'll accuse Democrats of being with the enemy. I I, I guarantee it, frankly. They kind of did it during the Gulf War. And that was, you know, 20 years ago. They kind of did it then. Sorry, 30 years ago, in 1990. And then in the second Gulf War, they kind of did it then. I remember like it was yesterday, oh, you're criticizing the president for bringing us to war? How dare you? You're not a patriot. What do you think will happen the next time? What do you think the right wing will do the next time? They will be calling for the arrests of people who disagree with the president during war, if it's a Republican president. If it's a Democratic president, they'll be saying, he brought us to war for wag the dog reasons, and he's a war criminal and needs to be arrested. And then when they win the next election, they'll continue that war and call Democrats non-patriotic for wanting to continue that war. It's, it's despicable what's going on in right-wing media. It really is. And it's gotta, you know, there needs to be more balance and it's driving me a little nutty. So as somebody who used to bring the balance and I still do from time to time, I mean, I was on Kennedy last night. I'll be on Fox news later in the week, but not as much as I used to be, especially not as much in prime time. And it is, uh, It's scary to see what people are are believing these days. So, all right. I want to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth, to question everything and everyone, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.
0: Look around. You can find cars like these on Autotrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Autotrader. Just you wait. Autotrader.
1: For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make Mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is,